0: It's so encouraging, I think, to have those, uh, I'd say young people, like Josh, be able to live open-handed and say, Lord, wherever you want me, that's where I will go. And I know he is, uh, you would just be praying for Josh as the Lord directs him, as the Lord has been directing, I think, more and more of our young people. I, I tell you, I praise God that there is such a love for the Lord that it's like, Lord, wherever you want me, that's where I'll go. Isn't that encouraging? You should be encouraged, church. Um, it's encouraging because when you hear somebody like Josh up here, it forces the question, you know, where are you in your journey of faith? I mean, really, where are you? Where would you say you are, maybe even emotionally? Last two years have taken a heavy toll on people emotionally, psychologically, um, and, and because of that, it's taken a toll on, on our theological frameworks in which many have built their lives. Now, I really do believe the passage that Josh just read for us in Ephesians chapter 3, um, there's a word you, you see repeatedly. It's mystery, 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 mystery. There's just something about mystery. How many of you love a good mystery? How many you love trying to figure it all out? Um, you know, I, I believe that is what Paul is really helping the listener or the reader really figure out. And, and I think for many of us, I, I, I believe when I talk to numerous ones and hear your stories, you might be in places that you never thought you would be. I know Tammy and I, I mean, our journey, we found ourselves in Michigan. I mean, when you grow up in Southern California, you never think you're going to end up in Michigan. Um, especially when the first four years of your marriage was in San Diego. All right? Some of you are giving me glaring looks like you, hey, we're here. We've, we've found the promised land. Right? Let's just capture yesterday. I noticed a lot of you came in with color like I did. It's just great to have the sun again. But I remember my very first apartment after college was by Miramar. And uh, at the time when I was in school, uh, Top Gun, you know, Top Gun School was there. And right over our apartment, F-14s would uh, come over. It was just awesome to see uh, those things. But it reminded me of a story um, that there, there is these highway patrol officers in California and they're the radar guns going, you know, and they're, they're, you know, checking people's speeds and all that. All of a sudden, one of the radar guns goes to 500 miles per hour. <laughs> Sam, come over here. Take a look at 500, 500 miles per hour. All of a sudden, a F-18 Hornet just goes cruising right over them. And, uh, and anyway, they were ticked. They were ticked that this F-18 got so close to them, um, and uh, they, they, they uh, fired off, um, they, they just had their, their police uh, chief kind of fire off a, a letter uh, to the USMC police commander uh, who really responded in good Marine Corps style. says, thank you for the letter. <laughs> we cannot complete the file on the incident. You might be interested to know that the tactical com- computer on the F-18 had detected the presence of and subsequently locked onto your hostile radar equipment and <laughs> automatically sent a jamming signal back to which is why it shut down. Furthermore, an air-to-ground missile aboard the aircraft had automatically locked onto your equipment location. Fortunately, the Marine Corps pilot flying the Hornet recognized the situation for what it was, quickly responded to the missile alert, and was able to override the automatic defense system before the missile was launched to destroy the hostile radar position. (laughs) Says the pilot also suggested that you cover your mouths when cussing at them. Since the video systems on these jets are high resolution, <laughs> Sergeant Johnson, the officer holding the radar gun, should get, get to the dentist to get his left rear molar checked. It appears <laughs> the filling is also a little bit loose. Thank you for your concern, Semper Fi. <laughs> okay. i read that because It's funny to think how much power you have, and then really, who's got the power? Really, who's got the authority? I've got this telescope up here as kind of a visual for today, because I think so many times when it comes to matters of faith. Just know every illustration breaks down somewhere. But I I think when it comes to matters of faith, so many times we we like to look at different matters under a a microscope. And when you look at it under a microscope, you have control over what you're viewing. You have control of how you're moving it around, how you're able to, to study whatever is under the microscope. But there's something about the text this week that really reminds us that God is in charge, and he's in charge of every situation that we find ourselves. And I have found it, and especially all the young people I was meeting coming in the doors, it was so encouraging to see so many young families really starting uh, attending here. It's just so encouraging. But I firmly believe the best counsel we could give you, and that is to seek the Lord more like a telescope where you are doing even what the rest of Ephesians 3 says, where you're, you're bowing my knees so that you could look up. And as you're looking up, man, I, I tell you, there is amazing mysteries up there for you. So many undiscovered mysteries And I think so many times we are not living a a life that is bringing fulfillment to our soul. We are leading lives that are taking us to destinations that are leaving us bored, leaving us frustrated, leaving us like, man, what is the purpose of life? And I think we fill all of that hole in our soul with so many things that might even be very good things. But I hope you get an encouragement from those like Josh, who just said, Lord, wherever you want. Um, I just want to encourage you with that as we really talk through the text here today. Um, In your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, I want everyone following along. We really like to make sure you are reading the Word of God, not just hearing the Word of God, that we're engaging more of the senses But I don't want you to miss, like, the first line that was read in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now, it can sound like a derogatory statement. I'm in prison because of you. Right? And last week we talked about the greatness of God in allowing the Lord to invite into Um, his sovereign will and sovereign plan, this idea that blew all of the powers that you cannot see with your eyes, the supernatural powers of which Paul is addressing here, that there are some mysteries that are unveiled that even the angels and even the demons could not ever imagine would happen. And that is the creation of this entity called the church. And Paul so believed in this. And why did he believe in this? Because of his revelation that he had of Jesus Christ. He says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Basically he's saying, I'm in prison. And I wouldn't be in prison if I just kept my mouth shut. He said, but Particularly if I kept my mouth shut as to Gentiles, which was, again, a derogatory term to Jews because Jews felt like, hey, we're all that. We're God's chosen people. The Messiah is going to come through our lineage. See, there was this idea of we are better than everybody else. And if you go back to Genesis, you will read that God made a promise to man by the name of Abraham. He says, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So so God is orchestrating his plan, but he invites the biggest persecutor of the early church to be part of that plan. Just the humor of God, wouldn't you say? I mean, you're murdering Christians, you're, you're splitting families, you're doing all this because you cannot handle the fact that Jesus Christ came, he was crucified, he raised from the dead, he created a brand new ethnicity called the church, and now Paul, because of having this revelation from God himself, saying man could not make this up because it makes no sense. makes no sense that God would come into the flesh and live a perfect life and die a horrific death when he was such a good guy. How many of you get frustrated that you're a really good person and you still have bad things happen to you? Anybody? Oh, nobody? (laughs) Yeah. So here you have Paul who gets this revelation who is now communicating clearly that hey all of the dividing lines have been broken down at the foot of the cross we are now invited into this incredible family by the grace of God but then he talks about this mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly this revelation is just when he even met with Jesus himself the resurrected Christ in in, in an incredible way that he made known to the Apostle Paul, whose name was Saul, by the way, the persecutor of the church. But he meets Jesus, gets a name change, gets a mission change, a purpose change. And then he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, and this is as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the capitalized Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So even the angelic forces did not foresee this happening, and, and I, I love that about God. I remember years ago. Do you remember those, those, those magic eye puzzles? Do you remember those? I was going to show one up on the screen, but I didn't want you to get distracted and then be the whole rest of the time. Go, oh, yeah, man, I wish he left that up longer so I'd have been able to see the 3D image in that. But the magic eye, it looked like all these different colors, all these different designs, and you keep looking at it. But when you know how to look at that, all of a sudden, everything pops out in 3D. Yeah. Have you, you, you remember those? Yeah. Okay, if you don't, just keep going as if you understand what I'm talking about. But see, I remember when I first saw this phenomena, I looked at it and I go, well, I mean, it's like modern art, very abstract. You look at it, big whoop, okay? In fact, I think in some ways that's kind of how, you know, the, the, uh, the world is, is just kind of looking at what God is doing. It's like God has... Uh, met his people at the temple. You know, there's priests and there's the Jews and then there's Gentiles. There's all this stuff. And it's just like they look at that, but now with the death, bearer and resurrection of Jesus Christ, now these Gentiles are part of the family of faith like we talked about last uh, Sunday at Easter. But if you remember those magic eye puzzles, when somebody explained what you're supposed to do with those all of a sudden it's just like everything totally changed it's like i didn't see that coming i believe in just kind of a weird way the gospel is very very similar to that in that it's just like uh, the mystery is being made known so here's what we want to share here today three truths concerning the church the church the church look around this is a a, a microcosm of the capital C church, which is the church global, the, the the church of Jesus Christ. So the very first thing we are reminded here of these verses, and that is the church is not a place to attend as much as a family to belong. Would you agree with that? I'll tell you, COVID has really challenged this mentality, hasn't it? Because so more and more people I'm finding, no, I just tune in, I tune in, I tune in. Yeah, that's my church experience. And again, God can use that. Not talking bad about that, but the church is nothing that you view online. This is an expression of a celebration of the people of God, of what God is doing in and through his people who God himself calls the saints. And this is a celebration of what we see God doing I mean, amidst of all the junk we know that's in, inside our very own hearts. But when we yield and humble ourselves and get ourselves to bow our knee and look up, as opposed to everything, kind of we like to live this way, don't we? Okay, God, look at me. <laughs> I, I'm, I, you need to now, you know, focus all of your energies on me. And I think this is what leads to frustration, right? because it's like it's not designed to work that way. We are designed as worshipers to look up. Notice verse 7 it says of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace by the working is given, which was given me by the working of his power. Last week, we talked about resurrection power. This is his power. It says, to me, though, I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. I'm gonna stop right there. The unsearchable riches of Christ, meaning that you can look and look and look and be seeing the riches of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And what Jesus Christ, because of his work, is able to do in you through the working of the Holy Spirit. The work of Jesus made you clean from within. Made you clean from within so that a holy and righteous God could have relationship with you. So I praise God for that. But this is why we've got to keep our focus upward. Because as we keep our focus upward, we will rightly be the worshipers God calls us to be. And as we continue to uncover these unsearchable riches. Man, it impacts our hearts. It gives us incredible perspective so that we could live even like Paul, who is rejoicing, though, in a prison. He's able to rejoice. But notice verse 10. Why is all this happening? And this is where you and I come in. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Man, isn't that good? See, this is where I say that. You know these these rulers and authorities. There's reference at the very end of this letter in Ephesians six twelve says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Now, if I am a demon. If I were a demon, I would do whatever it took to make people's lives miserable so that when people's circumstances were bad, they would curse God and run from him, run from the cross, run from the empty tomb because they're just too ticked at their circumstances. Okay, that's what I would do if I were a demon. Um. What I believe is so powerful about the church of Jesus Christ, especially in the day and age in which we live, and that is many people are going through tough times. Many more will go through even worse times. I, I can't even imagine our ministry partners in Ukraine right now. Imagine life where you don't know if a missile strike is going to come uh, at your place of business or, or what. There. But this resolve to say, we will trust the Lord. We will trust the Lord. And what is so amazing to the world is the anti-tribalism of the church of Jesus Christ. Where the church of Jesus Christ is truly a global faith when you think about it. Truly a global faith. In fact, I just had the opportunity, our staff this last week, to uh, hear reports from a pastor in the country of Jordan. The country of Jordan has the second worst water supply of any of the nations of the world right now, second worst, but 80% of that population are refugees, From all over the world, they come to Jordan. And the church of Jesus Christ is selflessly giving water, selflessly giving resources. And so while so much attention is going to refugees from all around the world coming to Jordan, the 20% of the actual Jordanians who are living there are suffering because so many of the resources are going to the refugees. So to hear that story and still to hear what the church is doing and how Muslims are coming to faith, these refugees are coming to faith, and they're coming to faith because they're seeing the church of Jesus Christ ministering and it not be conditional based on whatever tribe they belong. They say it doesn't matter. You are a person, you're created in the image of God. And so here's the second truth, that the church makes the manifold wisdom of God known to all of the spiritual powers of the universe. So that the end of time, when Satan and his demons, who for some reason think they're going to triumph over our incredible God, they think they're going to do that that the Lord through the church has demonstrated his glory in and through the church in a way that the harder things get, the more emboldened the church of Jesus Christ gets. And I tell you, it's, that's why I love the church. That's why I love the church. And I think this these last two years, for many, it, it's just like, wow. I've had to come alongside many and say, please, 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 watch out for your witness. Watch out for your witness. You're, you're living as though your whole world is coming, uh, collapsing down on you in Christ Jesus. Man, even if you find yourself getting your heavenly uh, promotion, so to speak, that death has nothing on you. Man, there is a world that is dying and going to an eternal hell. And we say in the church we believe that, but do your actions reveal that? Do your actions reveal that in what you uh, fill your calendar with? I know it's a little bit Convicting. But the Apostle Paul, you might say, yeah, but he had a special calling. All of us in Christ Jesus are called and have one thing in common, that we the church are in Christ Jesus. And where is Jesus today? Is he hanging on a cross? No. Is he in a grave? No, he is seated at the right hand of the Father in the place of authority, and he's interceding for you, church, that you will be bold in your witness that even when bad things happen to you, you can rejoice because Satan and his demons cannot take away your heavenly inheritance. Amen. Man, that's what we have in common, church. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Listen how uh, Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians ch- uh, chapter 1, verse 22. It says, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we p- preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are of us who are called, that you and me, church, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. That Christ is... He is the reward. Jesus Christ is the reward. Without him, we would not be having and being gifted with the Holy Spirit of God who empowers us to do what God's word calls us to. This is why we at Grace Springs say our mission is helping people take a step closer to Jesus. It's not taking a step closer to um, uh, a pastor. It's not taking a step closer to being more and more active in doing all these good things for God. It's actually taking a step closer to Jesus because as you come before the Lord, he will remind you that he is the F-18. And we're just a little radar gun people, right? He puts us in our place in a very good way. This is why we say that we want to be a church where people belong in real relationship, real relationship with the Lord. I mean, that's where it starts, real relationship with the Lord and real relationship with one another. And many people will not get to the relationship with one another until they see your relationship with the Lord on fire for God. That's the reputation we have got to have in this community, church. We have it in amazing ways. I'm so grateful to say I have the privilege of pastoring Grace Spring Bible Church because the impact of you out in the community. Man, we praise God for that. And that in doing so, we want people to grow to be like Christ. Not to try in our power to mimic his model but for us to yield ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit who conforms us from the inside out that we will reach people where we live, work and play because we understand that there's good news to to to, to behold, good news to testify to. And I know when I don't feel like doing that, you know what hasn't happened much in my heart? This position Because I find when I bow my knees in this position and I look up, guess what happens? My jaw drops and I go, wow, what a great God. What a great God. I don't deserve any of this. And I get all of this. And we're transformed by that. Leading to here the the final couple verses. It says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So that I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Leading to this third truth, the church has 24-7 access to God's immeasurable power and immeasurable love. Isn't that good? We have 24-hour access, 24-7 access. We come before him now. Now think of what the Jews of old used to, you know, they would be wishing that they could be so close to God (laughs) <laughs> but only the high priest got to go to God one time a year. And we get to 24-7. Do you think that should change us? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, a preacher in England for years, says this, the enemy can confine Paul to a cell. He can bolt and bar doors. He can chain him to soldiers. He can put bars in the windows. He can hem him in and confine him physically, but he can never obstruct the way from the heart of the humblest believers to the heart of the eternal God. Can't do it. You want control? Here's the control you have. Control to humble yourself and be worshipers 24, I, I, I mean, every day of the week, not just Sunday. This is why I've given you this diagram early on through this book. We see this is how the Christian life is to be lived out, inside out. At the very core, we receive what Jesus Christ has done, we've been reconciled with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have now relationship with with Christ. And then in that, we find rest. Where Jesus has come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden. There's many reasons why people are weary today. But he says, I will give you rest. And so we find our security and our identity be it that our identity is rooted in love and God's grace for you. Man, this is good news. And then now, it's it's almost like now what we see in chapter 3 is reliance, living by Christ's power. You see, from the inside out. We live in Christ's power, not my power. Not my political party's power. Man, we live in the power of the resurrected Christ. Oh, that's such good news. And this is why we, as a family of faith, we we need the church of Jesus Christ to be the church of Jesus Christ. We need one another. 21st century American Christianity is trying to invent a Christianity that doesn't involve this, and it cannot happen. Can't happen. God's word says, this is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. He is the head. And because of that, you should come every Sunday expecting Resurrection Sunday for your soul. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday. You should come expecting that, church. And, and we hope that and pray that every time that the word of God is manifest in such a way, as the text said, that the church gets to display the manifest wisdom of God. The manifest, the the multifaceted is another way to say it. Wisdom of God. That even in our darkest days, we can shine the light of Christ. And when people close to us see that that disability hasn't gotten us down, that prognosis hasn't gotten us down, doesn't mean we're not concerned. It just means it's not the end of the world because perhaps God can use me to share the Lord with somebody else who's doing a chemo drip. Just maybe. Because God's ways are so much higher than our ways. We like to feel as educated Americans that we can figure it all out. But God has a plan. And because of that, we want to increasingly have this family of faith be a place that we can respond when the word of God has been proclaimed. And this isn't to manipulate anybody I, I know I'm a little bit sensitive to when churches try to emotionally, let's get all the music. Okay, good. Everything is just right. Now people will respond because they're emoting properly. We don't do that here. We just said, open the word of God Teach the word of God, Holy Spirit. You do your thing. We'll provide opportunity. We have no control over how people respond. But I'm going to invite Mel Decrider up here on stage to, because she's she's going to explain a little bit about we desiring to be a people who respond to the truth of God's word and 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 kind of what we have done to help facilitate that. So, Mel.
1: Good morning. I'm going to read to you a passage that I come back to often. From Psalm 27, Just one thing have I asked of Adonai, only this will I seek, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to see the beauty of the Lord and visit in his temple. He will conceal me in his shelter on the day of trouble. He will hide me in the folds of his tent He will set me high on a rock, and then my head will be lifted up above my surrounding foes, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, sing praises to Adonai. I love this passage because it's a reminder of something we all know. We need to be together. We need each other. And I have prayer warrior friends who would say, there is nothing better than being alone with the Lord. And they would also say, there is nothing better than being in prayer with people before the Lord. And I'm so grateful that I've been part of this church. I'm going to say my whole life, even though that's not calculable. True, I didn't grow up here, but I feel like I've really grown up here. And it's mostly because I can look out every single week and see faces of people who've prayed with me, people I know will pray with me. Being together creates a response in us one way or another. I hope no one ever leaves here discouraged, feeling alone. I think that would be really counter to what the Lord wants to do for you. I was thinking this morning how in Jesus' day, the temple had an entrance and an exit. Lots of people would flood into that place, into those courtyards to worship. And when someone was really struggling, guess which door they went in. If you were grieving the loss of a loved one or you had an illness, if you needed prayer, you would walk in the exit. And then people would know. I mean, how disorderly is that? Somebody is coming in the exit, blocking everything up. And that's exactly right. That's exactly the right thing to do. Inconvenience someone, reach out to someone and say, I just really need someone to pray with me. We would love to be a place that that is our mark, that that's our heritage. And I believe this church is a place of prayer, of profoundly deep worship and excellent fellowship. And I believe the Lord has a lot more for us than we even recognize. And so you'll see to your left and to your right these lovely little sitting areas, kneeling areas, places to just come away from where you're normally sitting. I know we get pretty comfortable where we sit. And sometimes you just need a moment away. And I would embolden you and encourage you, if you need someone there with you, if you have to walk all the way across this auditorium and grab someone's hand to go with you, please do that we really want to create an environment we know the Lord wants an environment where we can respond to the Holy Spirit's move and just like Mr. Drew read and Rob reminded us this morning in worship and Brian has said I love that you get to hear it a third time we can approach the Lord boldly with confidence because he's come back from the dead for just such a purpose and we get to live that resurrected life and one really beautiful way to do that is to pray with one another So we're building a team. We wanna have um, a team of people who are equipped and encouraged to be up here, people of all ages. If any of you would like to be part of that, you don't need to be a theologian. It's probably better if you don't call yourself that. Anyway, you'd be this humble person willing to just hold someone's hand, hand them a Kleenex. It's a privilege to lift each other to the Lord. So I would encourage you to ask the Lord if he has that for you this ministry in this season.
0: Melanie, thank you so Mm -hmm. much, thank you. I want you to hear the heart behind that, and that is we desire a place that you are not going to be looked down upon if you're responding, like, oh, I wonder what's going on with them. All of us have issues. I I, I tell you, I think every week we could have these areas. Just pray with me, pray with me. And I'm glad that that's what happens here. I see people praying for one another in the concourse. We try to kick people out here. Sometimes we've had to, hey, you know what, it's one o'clock, um, You know, need to close down the building. But this is so great that you're hanging with one another. You're praying for one another, encouraging one another. But here is why we do that, because of how this chapter ends. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Um, Week one of the series, I talked about the prayer prior to this. But now, I want you to read this out loud with me. Okay? Can we do that? we got the tempo right okay now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen and if i could personalize this for you It says, now to him. Who is the him? Elohim, God of gods. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. El Elyon, God most high. El Roy, the God who sees. You see, all these names, when we bow ourselves and we're looking, we're able to be captivated in the totality of the riches of who God is. Jehovah Jireh. Arafah, God who heals. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. He is all this. Praise God, right? He is the divine sounding board for those who think none are listening. He is our burden bearer, our care lifter. He is the doctor for every disease. He's the answer to our agonies. He's the cure for our calamities. He's the lifter of our soul and heart. He is the one who helps us when we're hopeless. How many of you need that? Wow. That's so doggone convincing. Wow. Wow. All right, you can even say, I do. Hey, that's fine. It says, now let's infuse a little bit of Ephesians 3 into this. His glory is so great, you, you've got to put riches before it. His love is so amazing, you've got to put lavish before it. He is so powerful that you've got to preface it with immeasurable. His love is so high and deep and wide and strong that you've got to preface it with there are no limits to it. This is the one we get to pray to in him. Now to him who is able. He is able, church. He is able. And so when you think of coming to him, you got to know that he has the ability. Oh, man, just that. I just want to praise God. I just want to praise God. And so without wherever you are spiritually, maybe you're not in a good spot spiritually. Maybe you feel like you stumbled here on accident today. Trust me, it was no accident today. Was no accident today. I praise God for the saints that we have here. Again, defining saints has the Bible calls saints. Those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But we've got people here that I just look to that are so, so much my heroes. Like Ken and Joan Niebuhr. Ken is one of our elders, but he and his family have been going through very difficult things with their daughter-in-law, having bile duct cancer, and all of that in her 30s. And it's heart-wrenching. And despite all of that, he faithfully comes every time our elders meet. He is managing a nursery and doing all of that. This is very busy season for nursery workers, right? And yet he comes every time. So despite all of this stuff, and he has a smile on his face, and he says, may God get the glory. And that's just one of many. So I want the power of the resurrected Christ in me, lived out through me, no matter what circumstances I'm going through, so he will get the glory. I won't get the glory. He gets the glory. And let's stop demanding that God focus all of his energies on me. And let's all bow our knees and exalt the risen Christ who we will behold someday, nail scars and all, who will welcome you into his glory and say, well done. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth. And Lord, you look at this text and Josh read it at the beginning and some people go, going, wow, this is pretty deep stuff. No, this is very attainable stuff for those of us who have been given the Holy Spirit of God, who's our teacher, instructor. And, and Lord, I, I just pray now as we respond to the truth of this word, may we, the local church, the microcosm of the bigger church, may our voices come and and resound from the inside out so that the Lord Jesus Christ will be praised. And Lord, I pray as we go into our week, Lord, I pray that we will share this good news that Paul even gave his freedom. He found freedom in the prison cell. Why? Because he knew that's where God needed him to write these letters so that we, the Church of Jesus Christ, 2,000 years later, could benefit from these writings inspired by your Holy Spirit. Lord, change us from the inside out. Conform us into your image so that we will be a people who reach where we live, work, and play. We pray these things in your most holy and precious name. And all God's children said, Amen. amen.